You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of The Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate podcast, recording live here, downtown Batuta, Diamantina Shire, in the Old City District. You're joined by myself, Clancy Overall, of course, Errol Parker. Good morning, Errol. Good morning to you. Good morning, mate. How you going? Mate, I'm going all right. Uh, we actually ran, we got a few headlines last week after an interview with Grace Tame. Finally got the... Uh, the southern media elite to kind of sit up and take notice and some of the good radio we're doing out here in the Diamantina Shire. And we thought we'd follow it up this week with uh, another Aussie icon. I guess today's guest is big all over the world, really. He's been on screens in 150 countries yep. for a decade or so. I don't so. reckon you've been to five countries, Clancy. No, nah, and um, as I've been told... Uh, you've been over to Perth, though. Yeah, no, I've been told that French Caledonia doesn't even technically... Count as a country because no, you don't need a passport. No, and, and you had your third honeymoon in Tassie, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I thought that was... A, and that was know. back in the 80s too. Yeah. So, you know, I haven't done much Before traveling. those Melbourne yuppies ruined it. Yeah, yeah. It was back in the With all their days money. of Tassie. Yeah, we were down there. But today's guest must have a hard time in airports. I'll tell you that much. Bruce <laughs> Hopper Hopkins, thank you for joining us, mate. Thanks, guys, for having me. Now, you... Uh, Lived down there where you're currently a lifeguard. You've lived down there for about 52 years down there in Bondi, yep. as the old codgers call it, Bondi. <laughs> and how long have you been a lifeguard? Lifeguard, well, that's, uh, it'll be 30 years this September, so it's yeah, right. been a long professional career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you start off as a clubby or did you? Oh, mate, I did start a little bit as a clubby, yeah, yeah. early days, and then uh, progressed from there and thought I had a little bit of a talent in the ocean, so yeah. I thought I'd, yeah, continue on. Now, for, for the people who are driving the tractors, um, um, a clubby, uh, I think down there in New South Wales, they do wear the red and gold. And they're a volunteer force, you know, like, you know, like you've got your army, your navy, you've got air force, and then you've got your lifeguards. Yeah. Where the type of lifeguard that you are now, you're basically paid by the council. That's it, yeah. yeah. We uh, we get paid by the council, so it's a full-time professional yep. job. And uh, compared to the, the clubbies come and help out on weekends over the summer period, but yeah, we're pretty much there seven days a week, 365 days a year. Is there a bit of an army reserve thing going on with the clubbies <laughs> where they kind of... You know, where they, they kind of want to march on Anzac yeah. Day too. <laughs> yeah, mate, they do. They, <laughs> they've got their own, uh, you know, these guys, they've all got their other jobs come yeah, down yeah. and do their four hours once a month and, uh, yeah, just uh, want to get down amongst it in the beach. And yeah. Have you ever had to rescue a clubby? <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, yes, I mate. I have to, yeah, I have to say yes to that. One. Uh, there have have been times over the years we've had to rescue yeah. uh, some clubbies. Uh, you know, it takes them. They're learning as well. You know, so like yeah, we've yeah. all had to do when we we're young down there. Yeah, yeah, right. So, but you you grew up on the beach. Um, would most lifeguards have grown up on the beach, or do you, do you find those guys that just from a young age are like, no, that's what I want to be. Growing up in Penrith, growing up in you know, growing up in the bush, even. Oh, well, funny story. But most of them, uh, you know, grow up around the beaches because yeah. to get that ocean skill, you need to yeah. be pretty much uh, around the ocean as a young kid. But we did have a trainee once that came, and uh, he was born and bred Penrith, right? And wanted to be a lifeguard, and right. he came down. He did the uh, the lifeguard traineeship. We had him on for a couple of years, and uh, he was quite unique to start with. But yeah. we were able to train him to a certain yeah. level. He got he, he he grew up grew up swimming in the Nepean <laughs> River between the flags and the Nepean. Yeah, oh, a bit I'm different mate. when you they get the, an eight foot set on the head in Bondi. <laughs> yeah. But that early skills is something you would see 
and you'd be able to, uh, like, I guess you'd emphasize in your field because it's lived and learned, the ocean. You know, you've got to, got to learn it from a young age. And, and you would see in the people you rescue, a lot of people didn't have that at a young age, didn't have that, that ocean awareness. Yeah, I mean, you're 100%, you know, growing up, you, you, you get used to it, you get thrown out there in, in the rips and you get taken along and then line up in the surf there and surf back the other ways back to the beach. Yeah. And you get used to all that as a kid, and that's a bit of fun. But, yeah, you definitely see people, especially from the European countries, coming yeah. over and obviously Bondi is a big tourist area. And, yeah, you see them there and uh, they've got no idea whatsoever. We usually call it the uh, karate chop and yeah. that's usually uh, yeah. a few – you know, around the Asian countries and in yeah. India and that, they seem to uh, do that karate chop pretty quick because yeah, they yeah. can't stand up. So, yeah. Yeah, right. They're waving around. <laughs> the um, Mediterranean as well, still water. There's no rips down there in bloody Croatia or Greece. <laughs> no, I'd, I would – I'd say the current would be stronger in the Dinopean than it would be <laughs> in the Med. Actually, I was just thinking there, there's one example, Penrith boy – Went on to be a, a serving champion in the shape of Mick Fanning. <laughs> He's the only yeah. example I can think of. Yeah, no, he ended up being a Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell us a, a little bit more about, you know, obviously when I said before you'd have a hard time in airports, I imagine that's all directly related to Bondi Rescue, a wildly successful Australian television program that um, has kind of centred around you for quite some time. <laughs> How did that all change from being a – Eastern suburb surfer yeah. to being a um, on 150 yeah, screens yeah. around the world. Oh well, you know, originally when it first started, it was only going to be an hour special, so we didn't think much of it, and mm. we got a whole lot of footage, and then it became a series. And mm. next thing you know, it just took off, and, yeah. and by series three, it was you know starting to go around the world, and people were coming to Bondi, and then you know they're starting to get the photos, recognise you, and then yeah, <laughs> going around different states in Australia, and yeah, it was, it was funny. You walk through. Uh, different airports and people are grabbing you and yeah. you know you sort of forget that you're actually on tv and yeah. yeah until people come up and start saying oh, i want a photo of you yeah you big audience and i guess those those neighbors stars get a little bit of that over in england and stuff like that where they're they're huge there i mean you're huge here as well but uh you just realize when they kind of are in this cold country looking in at bondi yeah. they really kind of mythologize your life yeah, yeah. and everything you get to do but it's not all zinc and uh, you know and sunshine, <laughs> is it? In the actual role, it's like I mean, we wouldn't see the worst of it. No, I mean uh, to, to talk about actually being a lifeguard. It's yeah. it's you see the fun stuff we do and we bag each other down there yeah. and we get rel- You know, a lot of people think that it's um, just fun and games, yeah. you know, but it's also the there's a serious side. There's the side of you know doing resuscitations and mm. that can be quite heavy. And uh, the biggest one though is the body retrievals. Obviously yeah. down at Bondo, we cover the gap as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of suicides that people don't know off, off the gap there. That doesn't uh, make TV. No. No, nah, that doesn't no. get on TV a lot no. of the time. No, so it doesn't even the, get put in the media really that yeah. often, yeah. You're first on call with down there of uh, Vaucluse and yeah. yeah, Dover Heights, right. Yeah. So we head up on the on the jet ski, which we're only, you know, a few minutes away from by jet ski and the uh, police boat up in the harbour. Mm. The police rescue there. That's that's probably a thirty minute boat ride. So yeah, yeah. we're the what quickest out. point to try and hold on to the body before uh, it disappears or, or, yeah. or things happen. Jeez. See, with, with that, what do you say to the young kids coming through who think it is going to be all kind of you know Bondi Beach Road Hotel and bloody yeah. you know nightclubs and and, and you know yeah. dolphin training, <laughs> hanging out with Paris Hilton, Brazilian birds. It's going to hang with Paris Hilton. All, all the celebs that come down and yeah. Yeah, pick up chicks on the beach and yeah. go to the Bondi Hotel. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
But uh, yeah, no, it, we explain to them that that's sort of the job, but there's also the uh, the, the part where it gets quite serious. And, yeah. you know, you'll get uh, body retrieval. We tell everyone that comes on that if you're around for a fair few years, you're going to definitely get a body retrieval and yeah. that's something you've got to do. But we've got things in place now where we're training the guys. You know, we all train physically to do a rescue, but now we train mentally. Yeah. And before we actually get it. So we're prepared mentally when we're going to yeah. um, grab something like that. So is that essentially what your role would be as a head lifeguard to really do more of, you know, the overreaching training, yeah. you know, where like oh, obviously everyone who's a lifeguard at Bondi knows how to head out in a surf and rescue person. So it's kind of like your role now is not like to be kind of a mentor to these yeah. young people coming up. Yeah, it's a lot of a mentoring role now and 30 years of experience. And I've dealt with so many things down there, so... It's now taking on the the, you know, the young guys and, and not only showing them how to work along the beach and, and moving you know the, the, the flags along for swimming and, and how to go rescue people. It's you know also having that mental side of thing as well, dealing with the the tragic stuff we deal with. Thirty years down there. Tell us about some of the Leathermen that were running the show when you got down there. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing these kind of mental health programs weren't in place. What, what, no. what were the old original kind of blokes that you met down there like? Oh, mate, the old days, because I started in 91. So yeah. the 90s is probably, it sort of changed after the Olympics, you know. Yeah. The, the, every workplace sort of changed a bit. But the 90s was a... The yuppies yeah. came down the hill, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, it was, it was amazing, you know. like the, the Bondi was wild in the 90s. Oh, it was wild. I mean, <laughs> you, you had a lot of people coming down from the western suburbs and they'd be in their revved up cars and they'd yeah. come on the beach and they'd be in big gangs trying to cause fights. And mm. I remember the police coming down and then it'd be on, you know. Mm. They'd just pull the battens out and they'd be... Yeah, right. Belting each other there and that. And then also, I mean, with the suicides, we still used to um, go and deal with that. But you'd get them. And, and I remember my first one, I just had to have a, an old blanket. Yeah. You know, and we just wrapped that around them and they made me get in the water and I had to wrap it around. Then they pulled it back up into the boat and, you know, you walk away and it's just a pat in the back. And if you yeah. had any sort of, you know, oh, geez, that's a bit heavy and that, <laughs> yeah. that's a toughen up something. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, you what got. you need, yeah. mate. You need a yeah. fucking beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of stoicism, you're saying. A lot of, a lot of blokes yeah. not talking about how uh, how confronting that was. Yeah, know? no one yeah. spoke about it. It was yeah. just, yeah. And they used to, the funny thing is like a, we used to call it the meat wagon, and that they these guys used to turn up like in a Mr. Whippy van, yeah. And they'd come out with the big white coats on, you know, and yeah. they'd run across with the stretcher, and the body would go on because in those days we used to have to bring it out of the water and put it into the into the first aid room, and yeah. the body would just wait there until someone came and picked it up. <laughs> but these days we're not allowed to bring them back to the beach. We yeah. got to stay out in the water, and the police yeah. boat comes yeah. and takes them. But yeah, back then they'd run so in. So you'd, you'd, you'd walk. You'd walk, <laughs> you'd walk dead a body, body. <laughs> up, up a packed Bondi beach, yeah, covered in a blanket. You'd have it in a blanket. Excuse me, on a stretcher, and you'd be walking this thing up the up into the first aid room. People be watching and looking at it. Oh, it was quite insane. And I remember though when we went out for rescues, and you muck around a rescue board, and a few of the older guys there were as tough as, and they said, uh, "Never ever let go of the rescue board. We don't care how big how big it is. You go over the falls, you hang on to it. You lose your rescue board, and we'll see what happens." And I remember. A couple of times, you know, you go, oh, I'm not hanging on to that. I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Anyway, you walk back up, they grab you in the back room, they give you a couple of punches in the head and said, never do that again. And I'll right. tell you what, you never did that again. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it was a bit of like a rubber hose in the, in the in, bleed. Yeah. So there was, a, there was initiation and there were hidings and stuff. Is that what you're saying? Oh, there was, there was a lot of stuff back in the 90s that, uh, you know, obviously you, you, you wouldn't get away with these days, you know. You probably wouldn't be employed. Yeah. In the 80s and 90s, you know, you, we had the same thing in journalism, really, you know, like <laughs> in Instead of doing stuff like that, like the boss would come over and say, "All right, 
Parker, you're coming to lunch with me. Yeah. And out you go and you'd have two bottles of wine each and nothing to eat. And yeah. then you'd have to go back to the office and they'd test you. You know, they'd be like, all right. File the story. Back to work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're just like. Well, there's plenty of pranks back in, in, in those early days, you know, like you'd be coming in and there'd be little baby shark be stuck in someone's locker and prawns put in people's cars in the air con so, they, you know, they'd stink it out. And on a 30-degree day, you get in to go home and just be stinking. Imagine you ruin your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just ruining someone's car just, you know, just for the fun of it. What was the nightlife like down there at that, at that point? Like That's one thing everyone kind of mythologises. Were you working down there when they had that – 150,000 person music festival on the beach? Oh, no, I remember it. It was just before me. That was yeah. late 80s, I think, yeah, just right. before the 90s. And yeah. that was just, uh, I think they expected to get 100 people, and there's thousands turned up, yeah. and there's this massive concert. Rose tattoo in excess, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that was a, an amazing time. But I mean, Bondo Hotel used to be massive as well. Yeah. The, the old icebergs before they rebuilt it was uh, the Sunday sessions there were unbelievable. The old diggers used to have three levels, 70s, 80s, and 90s music. So it was different, uh, <laughs> right. different eras on yeah, different yeah, levels. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the, the white revolver, that was uh, there as well. We used to have to get the code and then type the code in, open the door, slide open. Really? Go in, yeah. So if you didn't know the code on that night, you couldn't get in. Really? So yeah, all well, those all days are gone. As well. <laughs> yeah. you'd, have to, you'd have to meet someone with the code out. That's right. You'd yeah. have to get the code. No mobiles. No photos. <laughs> they were great days. <laughs> yeah. Great days. So you are an Eastern Suburbs kid born and bred in and then, you know, of that last kind of lot, really, that kind of grew up there in, I guess, middle class, working yeah. class, uh, Bondi Bronte. Yeah. And the demographics have changed a lot down there. What's it like now? Do you find that the, the kids aren't as uh, invested in the beach or, or, or as respectful as the beach if they've yeah. kind of grown up? You know, the son of an architect growing up yeah. there in a six-bedroom house in Bronte probably yeah. doesn't have the same skills you had growing up, left no. alone and nippers and that, <laughs> and that lot. Yeah, no, totally different now. It's, yeah. uh, you know, kids still coming on the beach. But the, what I've found, though, of course, it's got so expensive around the area and a lot yeah. of people have moved to, to the area. I mean, I remember when you got surfboards, you'd hold on to that like gold, you know. Yeah. You'd surf yeah. with it, you'd take it home. Kids now just... They go home, leave their wetsuits, leave their boards down the beach, and oh, <laughs> mum and dad will buy me another one tomorrow. You yeah, know, right. it's, it's like total different demographic yeah, yeah, now yeah. than what it was back in the day. It's not working class anymore down there. <laughs> leave your board at the beach. <laughs> that's a sign of disposable income. No, that's a sign of bad parenting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you heard that yarn about what happened to Kerry Packer when he was a boy. You know how he used to live down near Bondi down there. Yeah. And if I can, um, when he was a kid, he was at school in Melbourne. He left a tennis racket at school in Melbourne and he got back to Sydney and his old man told him to go back and get it. I've already bought you a fucking tennis track and you can go back and yeah, get, get it. it. Yeah. On the Greyhound bus. Uh, you wouldn't leave it back there again, that's nah. for sure. So uh, you've got the, I guess, the Lifeguard Games as well. What are they called? The Australian Surf Life Saving Titles. Oh yeah, for the for the clubbies and that. Yeah, thing. yeah, uh, yeah. We've um, we did those. Oh, I've always done a lot of racing over the years, yeah. ocean racing with the, uh, you know, with the clubby side of things, and and it's always been a bit of fun to keep fit, and mm-hmm. you know, it's good fun going away and racing, and I've always been very competitive as well. So, you know, that's that's probably what's helped too with um, getting older and being down there with the young blokes as, yeah. as lifeguards because yeah, it keeps you fit. But um, and I hate getting beaten by them. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I use the thing now. Of course, I'm I'm in my fifties now. I said, if any of you blokes don't beat me, that that's the end of your job. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't if you can't beat me, yeah, and a hangover isn't an excuse anymore. <laughs> 
Tell us, uh, you mentioned it before about the mental health aspect of what you do and, and how that's now uh, thankfully emphasized and, and, and something that you view as important. You're, you're doing a podcast where you kind of merge, you know, those kind of themes of, of surf, life-saving and yep, mental yep, health. That's yep. life's, life's a beach. Yep. And you're kind of discussing those kind of themes. Have you found people are, are really appreciative of this conversation in the world you're in? Oh, 100%. I've even been surprising, really, with the podcast, and I've got a different range of people coming in, you know, and they've got their stories, but they've always got a connection to the beach, but they've also then got a connection to mental health or yeah. some something's happened in their life where it's, you know, everyone has the down and out. It's mm. like life's a beach, life's also a bitch. So yeah, yeah. it's been bringing a lot of stuff out in people and they've been saying stuff that they haven't mentioned anyone before and, yep. and the feedback from people listening is, is you know, oh, yeah. it relates to them, you know. I mean, with the young fellas now coming through, are you finding that's helping them, these conversations in their actual work as well, in the, in the physical aspect and the day-to-day aspect as well, knowing that they can have this conversation with you and not get told <laughs> to shut up and have a few beers, mate? <laughs> well, I can't fight, so I'm not going to punch him. So. <laughs> uh, no, it, it definitely is helping. It's yeah. definitely uh, helping that generation coming through compared to my day when no one yeah. really spoke about anything and everyone, yeah. even if you had problems, you just shut up about it and yeah. try to deal with it. But, yeah, no, it's opening up. People are coming out. We had a young guy, uh, Tommy, that was – we didn't know he was, he was gay when he first came to the to the uh, job, and he was quite open about it, and, yeah. and I think – which was great, and, yeah. and he was just accepted like any other person. Yeah. And But if that had happened in the 90s, I reckon yeah. he would have really been isolated yeah. and probably not even enough where he just got pushed out of the job. Yeah, so yeah. it is great everyone's opening up now and talking about no matter what it is, whether it's mental health or personal or life, personal life yeah. or anything that's going wrong, it's, it's great that they're getting out and – speaking about it tell us um where's the wildest surf you've seen in australia yeah I and mean, you've been around you've, you've like there's some heavy shit over in wa like yeah, over yeah. at um at cyclops yeah yeah i, I reckon that, that's the heaviest i've seen in my life yeah that that's pretty heavy where, where people are swimming with the flags with, with the flags uh, yeah, what yeah. would you say is the wildest kind of tourist beach Oh look! I think the there's times up on the Gold Coast is, yeah. it can get quite heavy, especially yeah. the cyclones. That yeah. can get quite yeah. quite <laughs> mad and dangerous and and everything. Uh, like I mean Bondi, you know we cop a, a fair bit from the south when that when those big lows come around from uh, yeah, Bass Strait. You yeah, get a lot of East Coast that. lows. Yeah, yeah. East Coast lows can get quite dangerous as well. So yeah, I mean. Probably the, the biggest I've ever seen would be when I was a young kid down at uh, Bronte. It was probably 1974, and the surf was so big. They used to have at the top of the pool there at Bronte, there used to be um, like sheds there with uh, like the, the, the splashes, the winter swimming group, and they used to have fridges and everything in there. Anyway, by the end of the, the surf, the fridge was up at the back of the gully of Bronny, you know. So that was one hell of a storm and one hell of a surf, yeah. Oh, blew open the sheds. Yeah. Yeah, with the three blue ducks up the gully, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know the yarn. Now, uh, it's funny with kind of surf in Australia because it can change a town if there is surf there. Yeah. Obviously, you've got, got some weird, weird towns heading up central Queensland way where there's yeah. – you know, you're living on the water and there's no surf because yeah. uh, of the reef. And then you get this one little snippet. The furthest north you can get a wave is probably 1770 for about... Oh, even then you'd be pushing it. Yeah, yeah. for about 20k stretch of the beach, you get a few waves I reckon in there. The, the last place you'd probably get them is probably on the east coast of uh, Praiser Island, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Before just, the reef yeah. takes over. Yeah, just up there past, uh, what was that, Newton and that? Yeah, 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 yeah. just yeah. north of there. Before the reef starts. 
But it is it is difference between a, a beach town with waves and just a coastal town. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah. like there's lovely Tell ones me. here in New South Wales, but then, you know, all the coastal towns up in Queensland, up here, you know, it's either mining or gas or, yeah. or fishing. Really. Fishing, yeah. Fishing towns compared or to tourism, towns. I'd say. But do you find it's better for the kids if there are waves? It keeps yeah. them busy. Yeah, it keeps them busy. Yeah. Some of those fucking Rocky can use a few waves. <laughs> Bundaberg can use a few waves. Yeah, hey, Cookers, I'll tell All you the what, kids we go up through. there have got new Hiluxes, though. <laughs> I suppose down there in Bondi, they got new Beamers. This yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Just drive around in Beamers. But it's, uh, yeah, when we get that flat period, you know, over sometimes over Christmas, you can get two, three weeks of no surf. And yeah, yeah. yeah the kids go nuts and yeah. they try and find other things to do and they harass people and do. Different pranks on different things yeah, at the yeah. beach, and yeah, they, and then they hit the drink as well. So they thought, "Oh, we'll just get on the drink." There's yeah. no surf, so yeah, yeah, surf does help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would, how much of your job would you would be dealing with riffraff? Yeah, we get a lot of that. We get a lot of riffraff. We got to deal with daily. You know, yeah. whether it's older people, whether it's young kids. You know, we just got to try and keep them in control. And yeah, but I uh, found the uh, we we do okay with it, but. Uh, a little bit different these days. The respect's not there as much as yeah. what it was, you know, with kids coming through. So yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll give it back as much as you give them. Yeah. No, well, the, um, <laughs> suppose that the kids there would probably, you know, be more inclined to listen to you than, say, you know, a cop on the beach in his combat boots. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. yeah, that's right. We've got a little bit of respect there to, uh, to, to try and angle our way through because the other thing, I suppose, we're around there all the time and they've got to deal with us. And also uh, outside of work, we're still living in the area. Yeah. So whereas a lot of the... The cops that come down, you know, that not necessarily living in the area, yeah, yeah. so they don't yeah. see them as much and not get to know. Local lads, yeah. Whereas the cops back in the day, you know, you knew them because they lived in the area as well as yeah. worked in the area, so it's a, a little bit different. Coach Footy, you know, lived on the yeah, court, drank at the it. pub, drank at the yeah. pub. Yeah, yeah, they were just always yeah. around. Yeah. What do you think? One question I want to ask is: What's the most ludicrous thing you've seen someone do, which has then resulted in you having to save them? You know, have you seen someone go skinny dipping and like, you know, or, or just something? Yeah, yeah, there was, there was a, a years ago, early, when the, the, the best time was uh, you start at six and you go and set the beach up and, you know, it's a, it's a, it might be a Saturday morning or Sunday morning, the, the Irish and, and, and that have been out in the drink the night before and they think it's a great idea to come down and, and have sex on the beach, you know, that, that morning. So, yeah. And then they decide to get up and, uh, you know, probably give, give themselves a bit of a wash off and in they go for a swim and then the next thing you know, they're in, they're in a rip in the nude. <laughs> I mean, how embarrassing for all of them, but um, I guess you've, you've had the Irish down there for decades yeah. now, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're always around down there with the, the, and the English, they love a drink and, and, mm. and going all night and turn up on the beach. And, you know, that, everyone loves coming down for the sunrise as yeah. well. So there's always people there first thing in the morning. What do you find now with the, I guess, Byron's going through the same thing with the Brazilians, yeah. who might actually know a bit more about the ocean, I guess. But um, I've heard there are uh, what than the Irish. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, than the Irish, certainly more than the Irish. But the, the Brazilians are kind of uh, in the surf; they surfers as well, and uh, they're, they're not as uh, I guess well versed on Australian surf etiquette. <laughs> you hear stories all the time of a few uh, blow-ups in the in the surf, especially with some of the. Uh, yeah, the more seasoned Marubra yeah. surfers. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, uh, obviously the, the the pro tour these days, a lot of Brazilians on it, so mm. it's surfing's really gone mm. wild in Brazil, and they're all coming out here, and yeah, we've we've had that problem across the beaches, and Marubra is one of them where the Brazilians are, 
Yeah, they don't really have the surf etiquette like we do here, so they like dropping in and just taking control of the beaches. and <laughs> Dropping in on a couple of bra boys. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not yeah. the best thing to do. It doesn't go down too well. <laughs> well and then they expect to go to the same pub yeah. at yeah. night and be and, like, uh, you're and, that. And get belted again. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone knows jiu-jitsu. <laughs> so uh, with that kind of uh, surf etiquette, you see it um, a lot. It's in all the docos, of course. It's, yeah, yeah. it's not just... Strictly Australia, but although Australians are hot-headed in the surf. Yeah. Have you had to get out there and break up fights? Oh, yeah, there's, there's plenty of times, yeah, you've had to paddle out because they've they've got hold of one person and there's head and they're trying to hold them under. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of that used to go <laughs> on. but an unconscious person yeah. in the water. <laughs> now, nah, give me a go. We've got to get to them before, as quick as you can, because otherwise the next thing is I'm the one that's going to have to revive them back on the beach. So <laughs> if I can stop that before that, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a good thing. But, yeah, no, nah, that used to happen a, a fair bit. There's a lot of... Uh, you know, local dominance for board riders through uh, Bondi, Bronny, and, and, and obviously through Maroubra. But that sort of seems to be dying out now. There's not yeah. as much. I mean, you still get people yelling at each other and screaming as they've dropped in. But there's probably triple the amount of board riders out there now. But it's not as localised as what it used to be. Yeah. But what would be, like, say, the etiquette, you know, like if the surf was pumping at south end of Bondi and, you know, and the boys from Bronte or Maroubra wanted to come up and have a surf, like, would they just call you up and be like, oh, do you mind if we come up too? Or <laughs> would they just turn up and you'd have to, you know? No, I just turn up and paddle out there yeah. and then it's, it's, it's like, just oh, li- you line up and whoever, yeah. yeah. It's sort of the funny thing, though, with the etiquette, even though there's you, know, you line up and there's supposed to be systems on, you know, so you don't drop in and everything, but it sort of ends up back to where the, the, the best surfer tends to get the, the, yeah. the waves, you yeah. know, so yeah. they used to sit out there and use that, yeah. they get the better waves. We're not letting some accountant who's lived here for six months get this wave. <laughs> yeah. We've got a Leatherman who's been here 40 years and we know he's going to surf it right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's, it, they work. That all gets worked out pretty quick on on how you paddle and surf and line up. You just whatever you do, yeah. just don't go over the falls your like. first wave because you'll never get another wave. <laughs> We're not wasting this wave on a guy called Damien from Balmain, yeah. <laughs> who has a two thousand dollar longboard and just goes off the front, <laughs> breaks in half. He might come back in six months or so. Yeah. That, that reminds me. That there was that one episode of the fucking years ago where um there was a guy who was just like that and it was heaving out at bondi and he was down at the south end and a couple of you blokes were like oh mate the beach is closed mate he goes he goes oh no fuck you mate you know like (laughs) and he comes out and as he was heading out you know like the camera goes out and then it goes he is going out and it zooms back and two of the lifeguards have their shirts off (laughs) like and they're just like here we go (laughs) and bang and then they're just like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Yeah, you can yeah. spot them from a mile. <laughs> yeah. Do people you the you know the nightmare for people who don't know much about the surf is getting caught in a rip and ending up a couple of k's out? Yeah. Have you seen that? How far have you had to go out to rescue someone uh, who was alive? Yeah, mind yeah, you, yeah. someone who's sitting out there <laughs> with the sharks and you know in in complete fear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, funny enough, majority of rips though, all our rescues are about twenty meters from the shore, thirty right. meters yeah. from the shore. So most rips will just pull across onto the sandbank or mm. or where the waves are breaking. So where the surfers are lining up, generally the rip will pull out. You line up and catch the next wave in, you know, because yeah. it's got that right and left hander. So majority are, are, are not out past the break. Yeah. But sometimes if they, they do get out a bit far, it's usually the, the ones on the – one day we had a – like on one of the Australia days, you had the, they thought it was a good idea to have blow-up thongs and hand them out, you know, the blow-up thongs. And <laughs> it happened to be a bit of an offshore wind as well that day. And <laughs> suddenly all these – 
thongs are starting to blow out the sea with all these people on it, you know. So they're probably the worst case scenarios to get to get pushed right. And right you've got out. a little floating toy to hold on to. Yeah, yeah that's right. Out you go, and then uh, yeah, once you get too far out, they'll uh, yeah, you got the sharks yeah. coming up and down the coast, so they don't mind that. Yeah, though, <laughs> no, just before we go, Hopper, probably you know, what should you do if you find yourself in a riptide, you know, and you're paddling your heart out, you know, and you're not getting any closer to the beach? Yeah, yeah. I think you know, I think most. Australians who've been to the beach have had that experience. So what should they do? Oh, look, the best thing we've found over the years is is float. So if you float, go with the flow of the water, generally it'll bring you to a point where you can get washed back in or you stand up in the sandbank. And that's something we've been trying to teach people now. So it really, it's, yeah, it's, it's been panic. working well. And even our, our programs we put in, um, believe it or not, in Thailand, that they're now holding on to two-litre empty Coke bottles and lying on the, just hanging there, lying on their back to learn to float. And then from that, They've reduced drowning by fifty percent. Really, so they reckon floating is the best way of. Yeah. So of, just don't struggle. Yeah, just don't just struggle. Line your back and float. Stay calm. Float, yeah. and either someone will will be around to pick you up, yeah. or the ocean will bring yeah. you to a to a point where you can get back in yourself. So there could be like a couple of blokes out the back who are like, "Do you need a hand, mate?" <laughs> yes, like, yeah, mate, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, usually the servers out the back lane do that. It's a girl on a back in a bikini, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some sunburn Englishman, don't worry about it. Call some more care, you fucking Aussie. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> thanks for joining us today, Hoppo. It's um, it's good to know that you know the the, the beach is in safe hands down there with you and and the young fellows are as well. And if you are interested in uh, Hoppo's podcast, Life's a Beach, he's got a heap of runs on the board now. Some great guests, so um, you can find that wherever you find all good podcasts. And, uh, yeah, thank you for joining us, mate. Mate, thanks for having me in here. It's been fantastic. Thanks for coming up. We'll see you down on the beach. We'll see you down there. Grand final weekend. (laughs) 